The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Tuesday on Fantasy NBA Today. Welcome, everybody, to the podcast. I'm your host, Dan Vespers. This is, of course, a hoop-ball.com presentation. Hoopball, that's the website. We don't call ourselves hoop-ball. Hoopball is the website. And it's also brought to you by our buddies at Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee Company. HawaiianIsles.com. I-S-L-E-S. Isles. Not like a supermarket, like islands. HawaiianIsles.com. You can get them on Amazon. Search for Hawaiian Isles. Kona Coffee Company or just Hawaiian Isles will get you there on Amazon.com. They have many prime opportunities. Kona Roasts, Vanilla Macadamia, K-Cups. You got the whole schlemiel. That's right. We're using the word schlemiel at the start of today's podcast. Um, Dan Vespers on Twitter. If you want to give me a follow over there, I would certainly request that you do. Uh, Many of you, again, checking out this podcast for the first time. I hope you will stick with us. We have a lot of really cool stuff to cover leading up to NBA opening day. Perhaps you'd even be inclined to listen to a couple of shows from the past as well. Because today is our final of 12 pro days on the show. And we're actually going to have additional uh, industry pros on the podcast. But these 12, this show, the last of them. So the 11 previous shows as well. We're breaking down the nine category Roto Mock with uh, myself and 11 of the best minds in fantasy sports across the industry. Today, we'll be talking to Adam Stock of Elite Fantasy Basketball. That'll be coming up in about 20 minutes on the show. We're also going to be talking to my good buddy, Neil Rochlani, co-host here on Fantasy NBA Today, host of many shows at hoop-ball.com as we get into some sports betting topics on Tuesdays on the pod. And that's really the two key pieces for today. Those of you that have been listening the last two shows, Monday and Friday, you heard me getting into some of Yahoo's overrated and underrated guys. We will continue that likely on either tomorrow's show, Thursday's show. We'll obviously uh, likely be done with it by Friday. Uh, We're going to be talking to Mike Catron later on this week. We've got Hank Aaron. He goes by Hank Aaron, one of our uh, contributors at HoopBall, who brought in the the ESPN window that'll be coming up either later this week or first thing next that's all leading up to nba opening night which is just two weeks away want to jump straight into the fantasy stuff though or excuse me uh want to jump straight into the betting stuff i should say no sense delaying the inevitable you guys know i like to talk at the beginning of the show but i'm going to cut myself off on this one sports betting tuesday makes a lot more sense when we actually talk about sports betting and for the third consecutive week we are doing it uh and probably Well, let's see here. We're two weeks from opening night, which means we're going to be talking about betting all the time shortly on this this podcast also, in addition to all the fantasy stuff. Neil Rochlani, my guy, my betting man, my fellow D-Gen. How are you? Aloha, Dan. How are you? (laughs) Is that because you got Hawaiian Isles Kona coffee in your cup? That's because I need Hawaiian Isles very badly, yes. (laughs) Neil's a sleepy bear, but never too sleepy to bet, right? No, we had a four-game slate tonight. Oh my God! Did you bet the how the wait? Okay, you said you were going to. How's it going so far? Want to know? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, oh I'm very selective. I took a drink of water in that moment, <laughs> so that's why you got silence because it was either going to be silence or me spitting water on my PC. <laughs> Want to know? Uh, that's good though. How did you decide which game you bet on? Do you remember which one it was? It was Lakers' first half against Golden State. Oh, brilliant. You knew they were going to come out and just ready to dunk. Exactly. And yep. I, 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 I obviously no confidence them playing the second half, which worked out that way. I just figured LeBron wanted just to make a statement and Anthony Davis and all that. And they can't stop Anthony Davis. They have no interior defense for Anthony Davis. No, not many teams do. <laughs> <laughs> well, not many, yeah, not many teams do, but especially Golden State. Yeah, and did you see that uh, the all this, this the, the hullabaloo over correct roster information this year, which is such a weird thing to crack down on, but I love it because uh, as someone who worked in minor league baseball for many years, you know, you constantly would see numbers that weren't even remotely close to what these guys were. It was like, you know, sometimes a kid would sign out of the Dominican when they're 16, 16 and a half years old, and then they just wouldn't update the kids' vitals for six years in the minors. So it's this 22-year-old behemoth 
who's like 6'4", 240, and he's listed 5'11", 175. He takes the mound. I'm like, nope, different guy. Can't be. Uh, and then someone assures me that it was that that actual person. And then you always see guys add two inches to their height on rosters. No, no, no. You're not 5'11". You're 6'1". Clearly, you're not under six feet tall. All of this, Neil, is a very roundabout way of saying Draymond Green got adjusted down to 6'5 in the current roster numbers so they really don't have any height on the interior no they have none you know i don't know if um i met charles barkley in a bar years and years ago and um he was not nearly as tall as i thought he was no what's he listed at like six five six four yeah he wasn't much taller than he was like i think he i don't know what he was listed at but he wasn't that much bigger than i thought i thought he was going to be ginormous if i ever ran into him so he's a roster six four which means he's probably six two in real yeah, exactly. life, right? They do that. They do that with cleats on in the NBA. I don't know why they're wearing spikes, but that's how they that's how they measure. So anyway, they're cracking down on this stuff. Yeah, that's a good bet, Neil. That was smart. How, are you looking for other teams that have something to prove? Is that how you're doing it, or you're looking for teams? Yeah, maybe exactly. That have I did not today. I was so busy, I didn't have time to really look at the card. But um, uh, maybe tomorrow. Nice. I love it. I love you, yeah. victorious, hundred percent right now. Hundred <laughs> percent. Bad in a thousand. <laughs> Um, so for those that are tuning in here for the first time today, uh, welcome to Betting Tuesdays. We get into some other stuff in the offseason on Tuesdays that tends to venture into the world of sports gambling a little bit more. And, and obviously we'll have plenty on today's show, uh, as I've already mentioned earlier on, on, on the fantasy stuff as well. But Neil and I like to dive into the betting a little bit. And the last couple of Tuesdays, our buddy Theo uh, from the Hoopball Loyal Readership crew uh, passed along some interesting prop bets for us to break down. And so last week we did defensive player of the year and most improved the previous week. I think we only did MVP just one that year, that week, right? I believe so. Yeah. Um, so we looked through some of these things and there are a few that weren't as interesting. Like rookie of the year didn't jump out at us as, as super interesting. Maybe we'll cover that at some point. Uh, but sixth man of the year was kind of interesting this year. And then also some betting sites actually have scoring or stat, future bets props uh for highest blocks per game rebounds assists threes scoring that type of thing i thought blocks per game was kind of an interesting one uh and we're gonna do knock out both of those so do you want to do blocks per game or sixth man first doesn't matter yeah i got the blocks up first let's do that all right you got that on your screen so we'll just go i do um quickly here a few of the favorites mitchell robinson is actually the betting favorite right now um at plus Plus 150? Am I reading this right? I think so. Yes. Uh, Miles Turner at plus 300. Rudy Gobert at plus 350. AD at plus 400. And then there's a steep drop-off to Hassan Whiteside, uh, close to uh, around 1,000. Uh, Brooke Lopez, 1,600, as is Joel Embiid. Another steep drop-off, and then you're getting into the like the middling long shots. JaVale McGee, Jaron Jackson Jr., Drummond, Capella, Giannis, KP, Chris Porzingis, Jared Allen, Jonathan Isaac, Cat, Serge Ibaka is still on the list, Wendell Carter Jr., and then you fall into the extreme long shots, Derek Favors, Draymond Green, Montrez Harrell, LaMarcus Aldridge, and Mark Gasol. I see no one in the extreme long shots that's even worthy of one of my, my fake bucks here on the show. Do you like any of those bottom five guys? Oh, bottom five guys? No. No. Yeah. No, Aldridge and Gasol. That's crazy. Yeah, no, they're, 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 they're five hundred to one. Yeah, never mind. Yeah, it's it's out of control. But I mean, on some of the other ones we were talking about the last couple of weeks, we found crazy long shots where maybe there was a weird little built-in storyline, but no such thing exists here on because now we're just tracking stats. They actually have to do it on the court. It doesn't matter what a storyline is, and none of those five guys is going to lead the league in blocks. Simple as that. Um, what about the middling long shots? Which I'm going to call everybody from. JaVale McGee through Wendell Carter on the list that I just cracked off. And does anyone in that grouping seem like someone that could find their way to the top? I mean, Andre Drummond has an outside shot. So does KP. um, Maybe Capella. Even Uh, Porzingis. Probably not. Only 58 games, by the way. They only need to play 58 games this year to qualify for this particular bet. Yeah, then I actually... Uh, I don't know. Maybe I mean I just like Jonathan Isaac. I don't think he'll get there. But no, not really. I wouldn't put money on any of these guys. I'm putting a Would buck you? on Chris Stapps Porzingis in this group here. Isn't he already sitting out at the beginning of the season? 
I mean, he's going to miss a few games. They said he's going to miss like 15 to 20 games, but that's still enough. I don't care how many he misses. I just need him when he's on the court to block a whole bunch of shots. Fair enough. Because <laughs> yep, it's not total. Enough. It's average per game, right? Yeah, yeah. You're right. Hmm. Um, yeah. He's getting my he's getting my middling one. That's 50 to 1. So it's not like the obscene, out of control, world bending long shot. But I mean, he's done it before. He averaged 2.4 blocks per game two years ago before he blew out his knee. Oh yeah, I mean he's he's a beast underneath the uh, at the defensive end. So yeah, I can see that happening. That was I just, second in the league, by the way, as a point of reference. He was second in the league at that point. Yeah, the the guys at the top though are just so such great shot blockers. Um, yeah, Miles Turner was only at one point eight two years ago. Um, AD was the leader in the NBA two seasons back at two point six. Gobert was at two point three. It was Kristaps Porzingis. I mean, here's the thing. Uh, you're probably not going to talk me out of putting $1 of my of my 10 fake bucks on him at this point. And if he's he was second in the league when he got hurt, and right now on this list of odds that we're looking at, and again, this is average blocks per game, and they have to get into 58 games this year. So it doesn't matter if they miss 24, as long as they don't miss 25, you, still, you can still qualify for this wager. Uh he could get to 2.4 again. I don't know what's good. I mean, he's like eight and a half feet tall. So <laughs> uh, certainly more so than those other guys. None of those other dudes in that range can, are, are going to play enough minutes to average two plus blocks per game. I mean, I'd say JaVale McGee, but he's not going to be more than, what, 22 minutes on the court this year? That's max, I think. Yeah, you're right. I, I think it's, uh, yeah. I mean, I was actually just misreading this. You're right. It's average blocks per game. I was seeing total blocks which threw me off oh yeah i so. definitely would not choose christoph porzingis if he needs to right. actually play in the ball games last year by the way point of reference uh miles turner led the league uh in blocks per game at 2.7 mitchell robinson 2.4 which is what kp was at the previous year uh ad 2.4 gobert 2.3 brooke lopez 2.2 javel mcgee was at two blocks per game last year in 22 and a half minutes per game uh <clears throat> brooke lopez is in uh, one click up here from the groupings that we're talking about. JaVale McGee would be an interesting member of that medium long shop group, but with AD in town, it's just there's not enough time for him to be on the floor. I mean, he almost could have won this last year if he didn't get pneumonia. So that alone should at least make, it, make us think about him. But I don't think you can bet on anybody in this one unless they've averaged two blocks per game at some point in their career. Do you have an, another way of looking at it? Um. That's a good point. You know, when I think about blocks, I don't. It's not something I have a lot of knowledge about when I think about player statistics. But um, at least two blocks a game. I mean, last year, two point seven miles Turner. You said a couple years ago when Porzingis had two point four, he was second. So yeah, if someone's not getting above two before, it's going to be really hard unless they're young. Like I was thinking, maybe Jaron Jackson Jr. If maybe. Yeah. You change, I yeah. mean, you've only had one season, so it's really hard to know how many blocks he could actually get up to. There are, I mean, in terms of things that we've broken down on betting Tuesdays, I think this is the one that has some teeth outside of the, the, the extreme favorites. I don't actually think Mitchell Robinson is going to lead the league in blocks this year. Uh, I think something weird is going to happen, and he's not going to play as many minutes as people think. I don't know. I mean, it's just the Knicks, and he's a crazy young player who is trying to figure out how to stay on the floor. Um, Miles Turner, can he can he keep up the pace from last year? The, these odds-on favorites are intriguing, obviously. They, that's why they're at the top. Robinson, Turner, Gobert, Davis, those guys could easily end up being the top four in the league in blocks. But, you know, you had Brooke Lopez, who wasn't far behind. You mentioned Jaron Jackson Jr., who is down at 33-1. to And, you know, we know he can block a ton of shots. He just didn't get a ton of opportunity last year. McGee... Uh, KP, there are there are names on this list that make sense, but now we got to figure out how to split up our ten bucks. And I've gone first, I think, every single time. So I'm putting you in the hot seat on this one. How are you splitting up your ten bucks on blocks per game? All right, um, I'll go one on Jaron Jackson Jr. Okay, <clears throat> I'll go. You got nine three left. on Hassan Whiteside. Okay, six left. Oh, six left. Uh, and then I'm going to go top heavy. I know it's kind of boring, but I'll go three on Turner and three on Gobert. Okay. I'm okay with that. Uh, three on Turner, right. three on Gobert, three on Whiteside, one on Jaron Jackson as your long shot. 
Uh, JJJ, by the way, 33-1. to 1, I mentioned that. Hassan Whiteside, 11-1. to 1, And then uh, Gobert and Turner are 3.5 and, and, and 3 uh, to one on this on this bad boy. All right, my ten bucks. I'm going one on KP. I think everybody's already figured that out from my ranting and raving over here. Um, I'm also going to put one on Jaron Jackson. I like that idea, so I'm gonna I'm gonna follow you on that one. We'll go kudos to Neil. If we win it, we'll treat each other to lunch. Uh, I got eight bucks left to spend. I'm gonna go. Um, I'm gonna go three on Anthony Davis. Give me five left, and I'm gonna put. The I'm gonna go four on Miles Turner and I'm gonna do one on Mitchell Robinson just in case. So it sort of covers me a little bit. Um Man, no, after I'm rethinking that, I don't like my I don't like my final breakdown, but whatever. I said it, so now I gotta stick with it. Uh I think Anthony Davis actually wins this one this year. I think he's gonna go nuts. <laughs> the, the Lakers haven't yet shown me that they can keep anyone on the perimeter. So uh maybe they will this year. Maybe the Avery Bradley era is real, but I'll believe it when I see it. And if they keep letting everybody go by, like if Rajon Rondo's on the floor at all this season, then dudes are going to be at the rim, and Anthony Davis is going to have to average three blocks a game, or they're just going to get, it's going to be a layup line, like it has been for the last two to three years in a row. So uh, AD's probably my lead horse here. I like JJJ and, and KP as the long shots. Um, Want to take turn our attention to sixth man now? Yeah, let's do it. All right, sixth man of the year. I've lost track, by the way, of how long this segment's going. I don't care at this point. This is Neil's damn day, and no one can take it from him. Um, I don't think I should read off all of these names because some, some of them are not relevant. I'm going to read off the names that I think actually have any kind of chance of, of being in the mix in this one. Uh, Lou Williams is the betting favorite because the award is going to be named after him shortly. Uh, but his teammate, interestingly, Neil, I thought this was kind of fun. Uh, before I even go through the list, Montrez Harrell is actually the second one on the list. Is there... I mean, isn't there some disadvantage to having two guys on the same team for this same award? Yeah, it's interesting, but they both could have won it last year, right? Um, so I guess it's not that crazy, but that seems very bizarre. I mean, Harold doesn't seem to take away from Lou Williams, though, in terms of his notoriety. He's going to have to do, one of those two guys is going to have to do too much to get, it's not happening. It's this. The Clippers have too mm-hmm. much in front of them this year. I'm wiping off the two favorites. Could it really yeah, be? No, I, I like the third guy the best, actually. Spencer Dinwiddie. Yeah, at seven to one. Interesting choice. Um, Terrence Ross at seven to one. Oh, I know who you like. <laughs> yeah, Derrick Rose at eleven yes, to one. Love Derrick. Here's Rose the problem. I think he's going to be starting by midseason. <laughs> That's true. So that puts a little bit of a dent into my plan there. Do you know uh, how the rules work with terms of how many times you no, have to come on? Oh. I have no idea. I don't have a clue, which makes this one makes me seem like a really knowledgeable guy. Um, Okay, let, let's go thumbs up, thumbs down game on this one. I think that's the okay. only way to get through the rest of these the rest of these names because some of them are, are positively absurd. Uh, Jeremy Grant, thumbs down, thumbs down. Yeah, no way, dude. He doesn't. He doesn't. Yeah. He's a fantastic uh, complimentary player. But let, let get out of here. Uh, Robert Punchy Portis, thumbs down. Yeah, get no, out no of chance. Here. Get out of here with that nonsense. JJ Redick, um, thumbs down. I don't think he's he's good, but he's not relevant enough. Uh, I'll say thumbs up in case he does come off the bench and scores like ridiculous threes all season. Yeah, it just feels like a lot to do for someone who's uh, uh, catch and shoot, shoot on the lean kind of guy. Bogdan Bogdanovich at twenty five to one. Mm. Uh, I'm gonna go thumbs up. What if he has a big year? This one actually has a chance, especially if the Kings are good. Yeah, I like this one. Thumbs up. Hmm. I'm with you on that one. Uh, Dennis Schroeder, 25 to 1. Uh, I'm going to go thumbs up. I think he's going to have a pretty solid year, you know, compare in a Schroeder type of year. Yeah, because it's that. I'm going thumbs down. Yeah, his stat line is a pain in the butt. And Oklahoma City, well, all right. Jordan Clarkson, thumbs down. I, they're just, they're going to be terrible. I don't know how he could give it to someone on a truly horrendous team. Yeah, yeah, they're going to be one of the worst teams in the league. Yeah, thumbs down. <laughs> Rodney Hood, <laughs> thumbs down. Okay. I don't think he's going to do enough. Yeah, I think they're going to be awful. I'm totally with yeah. you. I'm thumbs down on Rodney Hood, too, by the way. Yeah, same here. He's just not that good anymore, unfortunately. Emmanuel Moutier points if any of us can name what team he's even on this year. Utah. Yeah, you're right. That was very good. <laughs> I honestly wouldn't have known that, but I scrolled down to like the 400 area in a mock draft recently and thought, hey, Emmanuel Moody is still in the league. Jabari Parker. Oh, wait, wait. You didn't say. I say thumbs up on Moody. No, really? 
Yeah, he oh. could have resurgence in Utah. No, he's, he's got ter- a much better coach. We'll he's, see. He's terrible. I'm going thumbs down. <laughs> <laughs> Jabari Parker. I'm going to go thumbs up. The basketball world seems to like this guy for some reason. Yeah, he puts up a lot of counting stats, so maybe. Yeah. Uh, Serge Ibaka, uh, I think he's going to start too often to be this to be a six-man of the year. Yeah, he doesn't seem like he should be in this category. No, he but should. Yeah, I, I, I think he's going to start, isn't he? I thought so, and we've heard yeah, from too. Nick Nurse that he like their starting lineup is a little bit fluid, so against anybody that's remotely large, I think he's in there. So, no, thumbs down. Um, Tyus Jones, thumbs down. Yeah, thumbs down, unfortunately. Mm, we've re- we've arrived at someone with a little bit of power here. Marcus Smart at 66 to 1. Thumbs up. Yeah. Unless he, he starts. He, fit, he fits that term, sixth man. He like, does. When you think of sixth man, you think of Marcus Smart. I think of, uh, oh my God, I biffed the reference. I it was so close. Do you remember? Uh, I think the movie was actually called The Sixth Man. Do you remember that movie with Marlon Wayans and Kadeem Hardison? I'm sorry. I did not see that. That was a very strange movie. Uh, I highly recommend everybody go watch it. I It came out in the mid-90s, and it's a movie where Marlon Wayans' best friend dies and then comes back to uh, like possess him on the basketball court, and hijinks ensues. What could be funnier <laughs> than losing your best friend? Uh I lost track of the list. What the hell are we talking about? No, Marcus oh, Smart. Yeah, is he is he starting at any point this year? Is that's my only question. If he, I don't, I don't know. Mm, that's my one fear. But whatever, it's sixty six to one. I can I can loan a dollar on that one. James Ennis, thumbs down. Oh gosh, yes, he doesn't have the talent, <laughs> does he? No, nor and, the opportunity. Yeah. Uh, same with holiday. Yeah, sorry, anyway, Justin. I'm sorry. I, I stole your thunder. No, I like it when I like it when you push things forward. I'm also with you. Thumbs down on holiday. Mikhail Bridges. I uh, I really like him, but thumbs down. I don't think he's going to score enough to get into the the mix on this one. Yeah, I think he's actually a good player off the bench, but he's not going to uh, counting stats. Yes, not good. The Spurs are horrifically boring. Patty Mills, thumbs down. No one's paying attention to who's coming off the bench for that team. Oh yeah. Yeah, he's never been good enough, I don't think. I like Seth Curry at 81, actually. Thumbs up for me on that one. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I like him a lot, too. Austin Rivers, what do you got on this one? I don't really like him. No, I don't either. Thumbs down. I've never been impressed by his game. Are are any of the remaining guys thumbs up for you? I'm thumbs down all the way through here. Clean sweep. Yeah, yeah, there's... Yeah, there's there's only like five more, but yeah, another one's good here. Yeah, Quinn Cook, Jake Lehman, Myers Leonard, Pat Connaughton, Anthony Simons, all thumbs down. So now to remember where we actually went thumbs up. I had thumbs up uh, for Seth Curry, Marcus Smart, Jabari Parker, uh, Schroeder, Bogdanovich, Derek Rose, and Spencer Dinwiddie. Oh, and Terrence Ross. So I had eight thumbs up in that mix. I don't know how I'm going to split my money up. But I made you go first on the last one, so I guess I'm on the hot seat this time around. Uh, $1 on all the long shots, so $1 on uh, Seth Curry, $1 on Marcus Smart, $1 on Jabari Parker. You know what? Give me 2 bucks on Jabari Parker. Let's go crazy. I'm going to skip Dennis Schroeder because his game is whack. Uh, I'm going to go 2 on Bogdan Bogdanovich, 2 on Derrick Rose. Nope, that's not right. Yeah, two on Derrick Rose, one on T. Ross, and one on Spencer Dinwiddie. I don't know if I can even repeat what I just said, but I got to 10 because I was using my fingers. Very good, sir. Thank you. Um, yes, I will uh, start the bottom two and go some long shots. So $1 Marcus Smart, who I like very much. And I'm going to do the ones that I guess I disagree with you just so I can highlight them. $1 on Moutier, uh, $1 on Bogdanovich like you, $1 on Redick. I'm also using my fingers. Uh, $1 on... Uh, who else did I like on here that you did not? <laughs> you can, we can have some overlap, you know. Oh, no, one Seth Curry. We both liked him. Yeah. And then I have five left. All the rest on Dinwiddie. Oh, maximum Dinwiddie. I love it. Yeah. yeah I think he's going to have a great year. Okay, so let me plan out this schedule in my head. Today's October 8th, so we got uh, one more of these, and then we have games to bet on. Hot damn. Okay. <laughs> So uh, next week, we are going to try to go through four 
Well, you know what? I don't know that we need to go through all four of them. Uh, I think we'll go through scoring, so points per game. Um, do we need to go through most threes made per game? Steph is the is the wild favorite in that one. Yeah, that seems no. It's just it's either Steph or Hard, but it's going to be Steph. It's got to be Steph. So points per yeah. game. Um, assists. We can do rebounds or assists. One of those two. Yeah. Drummond is running away with rebounds as well. I think I, yeah. I think maybe points per game and assists. And we might touch on Rookie of the Year, time permitting, next week. And then real basketball. And I know, Neil, you're betting on the preseason. You're betting 1,000 so far, so I can't, I can't take that away from you. But that's the schedule here coming up. This is exciting, man. We're two weeks away. It's finally almost here. It's crazy. It's, it's like it was slow, and now it's really starting to pick up. Yeah, it really is. Uh, thank you, Ball with Neil. Thank you, Mr. Besper. <laughs> he is at Ball with Neil, B-A-L-L-W-I-T-H-N-E-I-L. Follow him on Twitter. You can get betting advice. You can get fantasy advice. You can just listen to his lovely voice here on Fantasy NBA Today. Uh, and you will be hosting other shows as we get rolling into the season. And then possibly we'll tease some big news here as we approach 2020. We still got some time before that. But, uh, Neil, I know you got a project in the hopper. So uh, that's the... That's the tease before the tease here on Fantasy NBA Today. I will talk to you in a week. I'll talk to you then. The wonderful Neil Rochlani, as always, here on Tuesdays on Fantasy NBA Today. I want to remind you guys, and it's perfect time to do so right after talking about sports betting for 20 minutes, to check out our buddies at mybookie.ag. Partners here on Fantasy NBA Today. At the end of a hard week, it's great to sit down, take a little time off, and watch some sports. But here's the beauty of NBA betting. You can do it every day. It's the best. Can't wait. We're two weeks away from actual games. We can get in on some of this future stuff. Do the smart thing. If you're going to bet on NBA this season, do it at my bookie. If you do it if you want NFL, you can do it at my bookie as well. If you're kind of the person that likes to bet a lot, you can do it there. If you want to be a little, you can do it there. Parlays in-game wagers, fantasy betting lines. Yes, that's true. It exists as well. And join now, and MyBookie will double your first deposit. Double. Use promo code TODAY, T-O-D-A-Y, when you sign up for your account, and they'll match your first deposit. Play, win, get paid at MyBookie.ag. We're going to have a coupon code coming up later in today's show for, and I wanted to make sure to do this, I probably should have done it earlier in the podcast, the draft guide at Hoop Ball is officially populated by the Brewski 150. I said it on yesterday's pod. I'll say it again today. The B150, Aaron Brewski's top 150 players in fantasy basketball, are inside the draft guide now. Yep. And we're going to have a coupon code coming up later on in today's podcast to knock $3 off the price of anything over at Hoop Ball. The two main items you'd want to look at right now are the draft guide, the pro package, which is the draft guide, and our full season premium membership. Again, you can get three bucks off with the coupon code we're going to be giving you here in uh, towards the end of the podcast. That'll be coming up after our segment with Adam Stock. Please do check out that draft guide. I know it, it, there's there's all these incredible articles. There's so many features, mock draft results, player uh, position rankings, projections. The list goes on and on and on and on and on. Second half risers, fallers. Young Guns, Old Guys, Dynasty, it's got everything, and it now has the B-150 as well, which is, I know, what, what a lot of you guys have been waiting for. Anyway, you can go to hoop-ball.com, click on the Premium tab, and get yourself the draft guide. Without further delay, though, a first appearance from one of our new buddies. Super excited to get this uh, next pro on the show. We haven't been able to talk before, at least not outside of Twitter, Adam Stock, at Adam G. Stock on Twitter, the aforementioned place where you and I had chatted before. But Adam, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me, Dan. I feel like I've hit, hit it big time with this show. <laughs> well, that's kind of you to say. A lie, but kind of you to say anyway. We'll, yeah. we'll take it. Uh, Adam, of course, is the owner of Elite Fantasy Basketball. You can check that out at EliteFantasyBasketball.com. He, like the rest of us, is elbow deep in season prep. Is this not the best time of year? It is. It is. I am exhausted. I look about 10 years older than I actually am, but it's a lot of fun. That You're in good company on that one. I've, um, I have been known as Old Man Vesper since the age of 16. <laughs> I pulled a calf muscle uh, my junior year of high school and walked funny for a week, and everybody started calling me Old Man Old Man Vesper, and 
I figured at that point, you know, 16, it was a good run. I'm just going to lean into it. Um, how's everything going for you? How's season prep going? How's draft prep going? Uh, what do you got? What are you working on over at Elite Fantasy Basketball? We can tell the folks something they can check out over there. Yeah, yeah. So this was my first year doing the whole paywall thing. In the past, I had kind of done more of a focus just on preseason, put up some punting guides, and that was kind of my specialty, what kind of brought people to the yard. So I'm trying to expand this year, and it's, it's just me. So it, it's been a lot of work, but it's been good feedback, and it's a lot of fun, and just really getting deeper into the analysis, like having to go a little deeper because I'm asking people for money this year. I, I think it's been good for up in the basketball <laughs> knowledge, up in the fantasy knowledge, and being part of some of these industry drafts this year too has been a lot of fun getting to see different opinions too because I, I i try not to read too too much of other people's opinions so they don't start influencing mine yeah so uh, almost going in blind into some of these mocks and it's been a lot of fun because you think wow that's kind of a weird pick but then you sit down and kind of analyze it afterwards you're and you and you're like okay I get, I get where this guy's coming from you um you gave me a perfect segue into the industry mock that we're going to be talking about but before i even take that segue and roll with it you brought up uh kind of going blind into things which i've talked about on this podcast before i mentioned it a bunch last off season but not as much this time around uh, I'm in complete agreement with you on that one. I, I know a lot of folks love to read everything available to them, and I think that there is an advantage to that as well. But for me, if I put that many cooks in my brain kitchen, I'm going to end up overthinking everything and then just sort of outthinking myself. So uh, is there an, you know, I, I for you it sounds like the number is one, but is there a number that you think readers, listeners should be comfortable with in terms of kind of bringing information into their head? For me, I'm thinking, you know, maybe two or three analysts that you really trust. Yeah, I think two or three is really good. I, I think like maybe you should poke around at a high level and just try to figure out which guy's thought process you liked, right? Like not necessarily like you look at the rankings and be like, I like those rankings, but just try to get in their head a little bit and figure out like maybe this is the way I think. So this is the way I kind of want to go and then maybe have two of those guys and the third one have someone who's maybe you don't necessarily agree with right off the bat and then try them out because maybe maybe you are missing something because I know I, I miss things sometimes too and I spend an ungodly amount of time staring at this stuff. <laughs> yeah, well said. That's, uh, that's a good point. Sometimes it's kind of good to challenge your brain a little bit as well. Um, let's talk a little bit about the draft because you had – and we may end up spending our whole time just talking about your position in this draft because it's one that everybody is talking about. And for good reason, you had pick eight, which yeah. in almost every draft means that you are at the start of the weird zone. Um, I was in a draft where uh, Damian Lillard did not go seventh, so the eighth guy was in an okay spot. But basically, if you're in the eighth spot, aren't you just sort of praying that one of those first normal seven doesn't get picked? <laughs> yeah, that, that's what it is. The first industry draft I did, I was in the eighth spot, but I got Damian Lillard. So I was going to hype it up to my readers and stuff. But I'm like, OK, like this is kind of cheating, you know, like this probably <laughs> isn't going to happen. So when I got hit with this again, I was kind of happy because I was looking at the lineup and I was like, I, I'm probably not getting them this time. But I actually don't mind it getting the eighth spot as much in Roto because games miss matters slightly less because you right. can fill them in. If you miss a game in late March and head-to-head, -head, it can kill you. But in Roto, it's more like an inconvenience than any, anything else. So I think it kind of opens up the options a little more. Without question. And this is a, this was a nine-cat Roto mock, so you kind of had that. With the games cap, I had listed at 82. In a lot of the leagues I run, I actually increase the games cap to 85 or 90 to bring the benches a little more involved, kind of turn it from yeah. a 12-team league. It, it feels a little bit more like a 14 when you kick that up a click. But for this yeah. this mock draft, I set it at 82. Uh, everybody knew going in, 9-cat, 82. So you could kind of, I don't want to say get away with drafting someone who's a little more injury-prone, but that is kind of the simple way to put it. You could take a few injury-related risks and not be super worried about it because, like you said, guys are popping up on the waiver wire. You plug in, you fill those 15 whatever games missed with someone else, and it turns out okay. So to me, this is a really nice segue into your first-round pick, which was Kyrie at 8 uh, because right off the bat, you've already explained, hey, I'm not really worried that much about the games missed, and you know already from last year he can be a top 10 per-game guy in 9-cat. Is that basically the formula for this selection here? Yeah, exactly. And you'll see that throughout the draft with my team. I took a couple swings because I, I believe 
pretty strongly that if you're at the end of the first, like you're in a pretty tough position and you got to swing at least a little bit. Just because like the value difference between the top guys and the end of the first is significant. And then at the same time, you have this gains played issue where the guys at the end are, are a little less safe. So basically everyone at the end of the first has their issues. So give me the guy who I think has the highest per game upside and give me the guy who comes with the extremely clean line. If you look at Kyrie's line last year, it was legitimately perfect. Like, good blocks for a guard, amazing field goal percentage for a guard. There, there's no issues for it. I think his steals are probably coming down this year just because he set a career high last year, and he's usually around 1.2, 1.3. But besides that, I, I don't want to say it was an easy choice, but I was pretty confident I was going there. The other guy I was considering was, was Beal just for the safety but I'm a little worried about his per game numbers this year just because I think those minutes are going to come down. And I think there's a chance that he's just a top 15 per game guy, which is fine if he hits 80 again. But with the Wizards being a little bad, yeah, maybe a little. he's 74, <laughs> a little bad, yeah. Maybe he's 74, 75, then that's kind of tough at eight. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And and just to sort of uh, elucidate a bit, the, the Kyrie line you were talking about last year, uh, 24 points per game, five boards, which is very good for a point guard, seven assists, yep. two and a half threes, 1.6 steals, half a block, and then uh, positive percentages in both departments, uh, particularly for a point guard at f- almost 49% from the field. And he was only at 2.6 turnovers per game, which is not particularly high for a guy running the ship on a team, which is, you know, a one man gang out in Brooklyn a little bit this year as well. Um, I, I've kind of had my eye on Kyrie as well. The the games played thing does frighten me a little bit. I mean, he's already got a broken face that had not happened yet at the time of this draft. Does that change anything for you, or is that just kind of a whatever, he's going to wear a mask, at least it wasn't an arm or a leg? No, I, I actually kind of see it as a good thing, because I think it will put, oh no, Kyrie is injury-prone back in people's head on draft day. So maybe, like, it wouldn't apply here, but maybe if you're sitting at like you got the 10 spot and then you pick someone and you're hoping he's there in the second, probably a better chance he's going to be in the second now. And certainly a better chance he's there at the very end of the first, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, some of these other names that that we've been sort of uh, lumping into this group, Kyrie Irving, Jimmy Butler, uh, Drew Holiday, Bradley Beal, uh, I guess LeBron, Kawhi Leonard, Joel Embiid. That's kind of that grouping. Is that right? Am I missing anybody there? About six or seven hey. guys? Yeah, I, I got I got I got no beef with that. I, I'm looking at round two, and I think after PG, it kind of drops off into guys you don't really necessarily want in the in the second for sure. Like you look at like Trey Young, a couple big holes in that line. Devin Booker can't stay healthy, kind of thing. Right. Um, they, they, I I think you can make an argument for Vooch at the tail end of that group as well, just because his line's so clean, no issues. I, I know last year was. A career year for sure, and there's probably going to be some regression, but you could probably throw him in around 14, 15, I think. Sweet. Uh, Paul George was your second round pick, and I've yeah. lost track of the number 30, 17. Did I get that right? <laughs> yeah, 17. I was a little surprised at that one, but I'll take it. Yeah, uh, I mean, I guess a lot of folks really petrified of the shoulder stuff, um, but obviously, again, if you if you feel pretty confident he's getting back in the and not missing a ton of time, you're got you're getting a guy that was a top three player last year when he was on the floor so you're kind of again you said you had to take some swings this is a little bit of a swing because he could miss a week he could miss two months but the upside is colossal yeah for sure i mean again i'm picking at eight i don't have steph i don't have towns i i got i got to do something about it so now i think i have potentially two first round players on my team and i'm for pg i think most of the missed games are going to come up at the beginning of the season, I'm not too worried once the season actually gets going. I don't think the Clippers are going to be able, able to rest them too much later in the season just because I think Kawhi will get his rest. And with the West being so brutal, it, it, it's going to be tough to rest both guys. I, I don't think the, the Clippers are very good, but I don't think they're so good that they can just cruise to 56 wins or something. I, they're going to have to play their guys. And I think PG will, once he gets going, he'll be fine. Yeah, I think that's a similar case you could make almost for a lot of teams in the Western Conference, right? There's, I mean, it's going to take probably 48 wins to make the playoffs this year. Yeah, definitely. Man. And, and you, there's probably only going to be like six, seven games between like one and eight, too. So yep. a lot of playoff positioning. I'm sure these teams aren't good. Like the Clippers aren't going to want to just 
start with a Lakers first round matchup or something. They want to. They're going to want to try to get the Spurs or something in round one. Yep, a lot of teams will. Uh, <laughs> third round, Pascal Siakam, solid year last season. Uh, lots of good stuff across the board. He sort of fits your build here of guys that can do a lot of things. He does, yeah. So, so I'll throw it out first. He, he wasn't my first choice. My first choice was Aldridge, just because I was a little low on blocks and field goal after starting. Ha ha! That's and, right. Um, Take that, sir. So yeah. So, but I, I kind of knew it was coming. I saw your name. I knew your reputation coming in. I thought maybe <laughs> I would have a shot at Aldridge if Aldridge was twenty six instead of thirty four. But. Um, I, I knew I was probably going to – I don't want to say I got stuck with Siakam because I love him this year, but but he was my second choice to Aldridge. Um, I like Siakam a lot. He's been durable so far, and I think he's got top 25 upside on a per-game basis. Yeah, his field goal percentage is definitely going to come down a bit, but he's going to play three or four more minutes this year, and right, that means right off the bat, even before you factor in the usage, you're getting about 10% more production from him. Right. Um, so – Everyone's been focusing on the scoring numbers and the field goal percentage, but I think he's going to get a nice bump in rebounds as well. I mean, the Kawhi Boardman nickname stuck for a reason. He's one of the best rebounders at the small forward position. So you take him out and you put an OG who's only a so-so rebounder, and I think you're going to get eight-plus rebounds with some upside. Mark's not necessarily a dominant uh, rebounder. Uh, Siakam had to deal with JV, who is for half the year last year. So I think we're going to get some nice... Uh, bumps in that category as well yeah i mean to me he feels like a pretty safe play which also makes a lot of sense given like you said you had to take a couple of swings early to try to get those those beefy per game guys uh makes a lot of sense to just throw someone in there you're like this guy's gonna be fine i don't have to worry about this yeah exactly i've probably taken pascal when he's been there in 80 percent of my drafts I, i am a raptor fan i'll throw that out there just because there probably is a slight bias, but I, the numbers <laughs> back it up, in my opinion. Oh, you're going to have to meet our lead editor on the written side, Mike Pasador. Massive, massive Raptor fan. You guys can celebrate together. Uh, Bam Adebayo at 41. <laughs> He's actually, since we did this draft a couple weeks ago, Yahoo's adjusted him down a tiny bit, and we're starting to see him go just a little bit later. Do you think that's something that you can work into your strategy as you move towards... Uh, non-industry draft season because you know maybe there's a little bit of a disconnect between the, how the industry drafts go and how the the regular ones go because a lot of people uh, Adam sort of just follow the Yahoo X ranks right definitely no that was my favorite update that they did because <laughs> I, I I think at round four I when I plugged him into my projections didn't really change his permanent numbers too much like he still ends up around there he's got a pretty high floor in my opinion but you don't have too much ceiling there like there's not going to be too much value if you take him to four so if you can right. get him i wouldn't risk till six but if you can get him in five i i, I think that's pretty ideal uh he was another guy who wasn't necessarily my first choice i think just because i started Kyrie, pg siakam that's not many blocks so i was going for jjj but i saw that that he got taken or on the turn so that kind of threw me for a loop and then there's kind of i i find in round four there's not a ton of bigs just looking at it right now Jackson, yeah. Bam, Draymond, and then Blake, who I'm not considering in this range because yeah, of no. low management. So I wasn't too mad about it. It's a really big field goal percentage boost. So that kind of gives me some options to look at some lower field goal percentage guys, as you'll see, coming in who, like, that's their big hit, but they can help me a, a ton elsewhere. So I thought he gave me a lot of flexibility. And then it's a nice, obviously, a nice rebound boost. And one thing I really like about Bam is that he comes with some nice out-of-position assists and steals. So at this point, I only had one point guard on my roster, but all four of my guys are above average in dimes for their position. So I was still alive in it, with, even though I didn't chase point guards. Yeah, and you got a big in the fourth. That's not going to hurt you in free throw percent all that much. He's a mid-70s yeah. guy, so that's you know very minor hit on a team that's shooting the free throw pretty damn well to this point. Yeah, 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 yeah for sure. That That's part of my strategy, in Roto especially, but almost in all drafts. I'm a pay attention to the percentages, guys, and try to be decent in turnovers that's kind of my strategy and then i work around that yeah thank goodness be good in percentages i've gone on so many rants on this show that's like 20 free points in roto if you just don't get someone that kills your percentages because so every other team is gonna have some guy in the mix that brutalizes one or the other and if you just don't get that guy you can you can basically be top three in both percentages that's all you have to do is don't screw them up it's the only stat that works that way uh, anyway, 
Uh, Lowry Markinen coming back in the fifth round. I think he's going to have a really nice year. It seems like you do as well. Yeah, me too. This was one I wasn't expecting. I was like, God, I got to get a point guard right now or I got to get some blocks. But then when I saw him there, I, I, I had to take the, the dive. Yeah, he's been a little injury prone through two years, but he's still young. So I don't think it's, it's I, I think it's too early to say, oh, he's definitely going to miss games. We'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. So, yeah, I, I could see a 2010 season coming up and the free throw percentage impact is just huge. Uh, of all the true bigs last year, he was the second uh, he had the second biggest impact on free throw percentage, and number one is Kevin Love, who doesn't really count. No. So I, I was I was pretty happy about this. It's another hit to my assistant block, so I'm in trouble there. But I'm pretty happy with how the the other categories looked at this point, and I think it's just great value marking in the fifth. I think he's a fourth round pick. Zach Levine, you went a couple of bulls here back to back. This one in the sixth round. I've lost track of the exact number attached to it. We'll just say in the middle of the sixth round, and that's sufficient for the listeners. Um, I mean, it feels like you could just replicate last year, right? Doesn't it, this this feels like a very safe play to me? Yeah, it's the same thing as marketing. I wasn't going in being like, I hope Levine gets there, but then when he fell, I, I, to me, Levine's a fifth rounder, so I'm getting the six. I'm happy with it. And uh, another thing, it kind of plays into my strategy. He's an efficient guard. He is. He's kind of like he's not quite Kyrie, but shooting 46 from the floor, that's pretty big compared to like a 43% guy. Filling your guard spots with guys like Kyrie and Levine, that pretty much guarantees a nice finishing field goal percentage unless you screw up your bigs hard, which I don't think I have, especially with Bam and Siakam at 3-4. Uh, Josh Richardson, this is an interesting case study because uh, some people are really for him. Some people are really against him this year. I, I haven't met too many folks that are just kind of like, whatever, on Richardson. Uh, are you big-time pro, Josh? Uh, did Was this a one where you were like, well, I guess he's still there? How did you end up with Josh? I'm not going to reveal my position until after you say what's up. Uh, I'm pretty pro Josh this year. I'm not going to pretend like it's 100% locked in or anything because it's a new system. And when guys move teams, it, it can get – you never know for sure. But I, you just look at him. I think he was miscast last year. He's not a bad offensive player, but he's not someone you want, want to be a top two guy running your offense. So you saw the field goal percentage drop. You saw the D stats drop. I think when you throw him back into a more limited role, we're probably going to get the D stats boosting back up, especially when you guys – when you have guys like uh, Simmons and Embiid just causing havoc on defense, I, I think that's going to really help with the steals. I also think we're probably going to get a, a three, uh, an increase from from deep for uh, Jay Rich. He was at 2.2 last year. He's improved every year. And I think the Sixers are basically going to have to force some threes. I don't think they really have um, too many options. You saw in the playoffs, the Raptors packed the paint, and that just killed the Sixers' offense. The teams are going to do that again this year, and somebody's going to have to take them and you don't want it to be Embiid, Horford, and obviously Simmons isn't taking them, so it's Tobias or Jay Rich. So I think his threes are going up as well. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm actually with you on this one. I, I didn't want to tip my hand, but especially the fact that he fell to 80 for you in this draft, which is later than we saw him going in a lot of drafts at this point. I, I'm surprised, honestly, Adam. I thought he would fall farther this year. I thought that people would, would be more disappointed in last season. I mean, he finished what 70th in per game in nine cat which and everybody thought he was going to be you know number 45 or whatever just taking over the offense but like you said massive field goal percentage hit last year at 41 percent the defensive stats went away to a point that I mean they were still sort of there but it was almost like a, he was on the floor long enough to get them there not what he had been prior to that uh yeah. I thought he would fall farther this year moving into this weird nebulous Philadelphia thing that's my only beef with Jay Rich is I thought you, we'd be able to get him around 80 in every draft, and sometimes he's going near 65. That's probably where I'm not making the plunge. Like, the fact that he got to you in the seventh is why I'm such a big fan of this pick. Uh, if you had to take him at 65 or you took Zach Levine, I might say, eh, I mean, what, yeah. do you, what do we have there? Maybe a round of value to get over that point. But at 80, you could clear that by two or three rounds. Yeah, I mean, he's probably going to be around like 14 points per game this year. So I know what you're saying. In the sixth, that's a bit, it's hard to take that points hit around there. But in the seventh, when you're starting to get to guys who score 13 and 14, and like there's not really 18 point guys left, like it's, it's not too much of a hit. And I think there's just a lot of upside. He was top 52 years ago. I think he's probably going a little higher than you'd expect because all the guys who owned him two years ago and then didn't last year, they're probably thinking, oh, Jay Rich in the seventh. That seems great. <laughs> yeah, that may be it. Uh, I love your eighth round pick, too. He's uh, one of my keepers in, in my uh, bigger money league. And that's Dwight Powell. 
who uh, it seems like they want to play him side-by-side side with Kristaps Porzingis as sort of the bigger, stronger, rebounding sort. And, and we saw how good he was when he got the minutes late last year. Um, you know, he's not a blocking big man, which, you know, whatever, that's fine. But he does the other stuff really well, and he added a three-point shot, if that's, if that's your jam. Um, a little earlier than we're seeing him go, though. That's where, that's where I'm going to pick your brain a little bit. Was this a spot where you were like, I just don't want to take the risk that he's not going to be there 15 spots later? Yeah, a little bit. My, I wasn't thrilled with my field goal percentage after taking Laurie and Jay Rich. Like, I think Jay Rich will bounce back, but maybe won't, you know? So I wanted to play it safe. Uh, Powell's one of my, like, flag-in-the-ground guys. I, like, I'm going pretty aggressively with him this year. I I just don't see how he doesn't get close to 30 minutes per game this year, and if he gets 30, he's going to be really good. I feel like KP's going to miss 20 games probably. There'll be some load management, but he, he'll get hurt too probably. So those games, Powell's probably going to be like mid-30s possibly. I'm not banking on Boban playing any big minutes. Nope. And then just getting a guy who can maybe won't give you a lot of threes, but 0.83s and still shoot 60% from the floor and hit his free throws. Just especially in, in Roto, that, that, that's a, a guy who I, I think can still provide a little value even at this price. Like it wouldn't shock me if on a per game – Basis, he's around top 60. A lot of that will be due to his turnovers. But I, I care about turnovers in nine Roto, so I don't mind it. Yes, as well you should. It's still a category that matters. There are points to yeah. be had there. Uh, I should also point out Dwight Powell, final two months last year, 26 games. Uh, he was number 44 in nine cat. So he's he's done it before. Now, obviously, his role is going to be a little bit different this time around. But... Uh, that was in 28, uh, excuse me, that was in 30 minutes a game, which is the target that you had put out there as well. So uh, the numbers add up. Kevon Looney at 104. Uh, some folks are worried about Willie Cauley-Stein. I'm just worried about Draymond Green playing all the center minutes. But we're at a point in the draft now when you get past 100, Adam. Uh, by the way, talking to Adam Stock, I probably should have reminded you guys of that earlier in the show, at Adam G. Stock on Twitter. Uh, this is take a swing zone in, in drafts, right? Because... Who the hell cares if it does or doesn't hit? If it hits, you want it to be a big hit. And if it doesn't, you cast him out into the waiver wire for other guys. Uh, so we can start to lump some bodies together a little bit. Kevon Looney, tell me your thought process on on how you ended up with him. Again, maybe you, you're looking for a center here, but I don't want to put words in your mouth. Um, Kevon Looney, break it down. Yeah, like, like you said, this is my ninth starter. So if he doesn't work out, it, it's not necessarily the end of the world. Um, I, I don't necessarily believe Kerr when he's saying, oh, we want to play him 30-plus. I I don't necessarily see where that's going to come from. I could see the high 20s for sure. But unless they're rolling out some Cauley Stein loony lineups, it, it it's hard to say him hitting 30. They don't really have a backup power forward right now. They just signed Chris, but it's Chris. So you might get a little <laughs> bit of that. But the reason I, I like Looney, so yeah, he's going to do good in the, the big man categories, but it's the steal rate that really jumps out to me. Over the last three months of last season, he was at 1.6 steals per 36. So you look at most of the bigs in this round, and they're going to be around 0.6 steals or something like that. Pretty big drags. But then you get a guy like Looney who maybe if he does get around 30, he'll be at 1.2 or something. And that's going to put it, that's going to boost his value, I think, past this point if he does get enough run. That's that's the big question. I, I think he will, but we won't know for sure. I think it's one of those situations you really got to keep an eye on in preseason. Terrence Ross, 10th round at pick 113. Uh, specialist, a little bit, right? Scoring threes. You kind of know what you're getting here. This is, a, this is a relatively safe pick in the 10th round, which is not something you can say very often for 10th rounders. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was. I thought. I thought he'd go in in nine. I, you you look at guys. There's just not many fifteen point per game three three guys in 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 round ten. I was just using my tracker and I I was looking at it. I was around nine in both threes and points. So I was like, give me one last boost. Let's get a couple extra in both. Uh, he doesn't do much else. He'll give you a steal. Free throw is good, but he doesn't get there. But I mean, this is round ten. Hopefully, I'll. I'll replace them pretty early in the season with someone who does a little more, but I, I got no beef having a nice start in points and threes. Your 11th round pick is one of my favorite end of draft flyers because we know how things often go. Basically, when James Johnson is out, Kelly Olynyk is fantastic. When James Johnson is in, somehow they just always end up in this god-awful 24-minute-a-piece split. That's just the Eric Spolster way, and it's a huge pain in the butt, and we've learned to live with it. But every year, James Johnson gets older, 
And every year, his sports hernia seems to get worse. Uh, we also have Hassan Whiteside gone, so there will be backup center minutes, unless we think that Myers Leonard is going to take a bunch of those. Um, there's just a lot, a lot of reason to say, why the hell not with Kelly Olynyk? Because we know his fantasy game is so nice. Why not take a chance that maybe he can get 26, 27 minutes? And if he doesn't, who cares? But I'm with you on this one. I think this is absolutely worth a big swing. Yeah, first of all, I want to say I like that you are liking the big Canadians this year, both Powell and Olnick. I have um, family I, I, from Canada. If we go back far enough, I, I don't know if I've talked about this on the podcast before, but on my dad's side, I still have family in Winnipeg. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I got some extended family out there, too. It's a, I don't know if Winnipeg's for me, but uh, yeah, I've never, I like I met from there. I've never been there. I don't plan on, <laughs> plan on going there. I hear it's chilly. Yeah, that, that's a bit of an understatement. <laughs> the stories that I got told as a kid were uh, my my grandparents on that side leaping off of roofs into uh, snow banks, and I thought, hmm, it's a different time now, isn't it? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. My um, sister-in-law is from Northern Ontario, right beside Winnipeg, and all her high school stories involve snowmobiles. So I was like, okay. <laughs> yes. Well, anyway, yes, I'm pro Canada. We can put that Good. out there. Good. Uh, yeah, so back to Olnick. Yeah, I, I agree with everything you said. These jack-of-all-trade guys, they can fill in for multiple positions on your roster. Like, it doesn't necessarily have to be a big you're subbing Olnick in. He can go in your utility spot and maybe provide low-end dimes or, or threes. So I, I do think he's got a good shot at 28 minutes per game this year. This is banking on James Johnson looking even more washed than last year. He was, he looked terrible last year, and you hope that Spo is less Spo this year, but you never know. And then they got Derek Jones, but Derek Jones has never played big minutes. So, yeah, you look over the last two months of the season, he had a mini breakout, top 90 guy with a little bit of everything. I think Whiteside leaving is going to help uh, Kelly a good amount too. I looked at the splits for Olnick with Whiteside on the floor versus Bam, and they're pretty significant. It's not just the rebounds improving for Olnick. The shooting percentage is it, the splits are pretty staggering. Uh, when Whiteside was out there, Olnick shot 38% from the floor last year, and with Bam, he shot 48%. Hmm. So I think we should see his field goal percentage not not, not be 50 or anything, but 48-ish, which is going to be nice, especially from a bench big this late in the draft. Interesting. Good stats. Uh, Jeremy Grant, your last one, obviously DeMarcus Cousins, but I put him on everybody's team. Uh, Jeremy yeah. Grant, the last pick that you got to make at 137. I mean, he was... He was awesome last year in Oklahoma City. He was one of the waiver-wire gems of the year. Uh, he goes to a little bit more of a clogged situation in Denver. How do you see this playing out? What are kind of the potential avenues for success for Jeremy? Yeah, so my thought process was this. is I, I, I like to stash a little bit on my roto bench. I got my reliable guy in Kelly who I can sub in early, early in the year if I want to get it in ahead of games. And just picking Grant allows me to wait and see how it plays out. I think he's going to get 23 at power forward. I don't think they brought him in expecting Millsap to play 27 again. So I think that split will be around 25, 23 in favor of Millsap. So the question is, can he get seven or eight at small forward? And I I can't say for sure, but I I definitely want to wait and see. I'm not necessarily super sold on Porter yet. Will Barton was terrible last year. And they they were talking – Grant playing 30 when the, when they got him. So I, I think there's a chance. And at this price, like, why not? If he gets 30, he's going to be top 100, and he'll be starter-worthy. If he doesn't, no big deal. I can bring someone else in off the wire. And overall now, we'll put a little bow on this thing. How do you feel about this team? What do you feel like you learned from the mock, if anything? It could be it went the way you expected. I know you said you ended up with kind of your second choice in a couple of spots. Uh, going back, were there any stats you might have thought about taking sooner, things that you feel like you could have put off a little bit? What's the what's the overall feel at the end of this draft? Yeah, so I think there's a couple holes on my team that are pretty obvious. Assists, I kind of did a soft punt, but I wasn't too worried about that. And then blocks. Blocks was kind of just bad luck. I think I really felt the full wrath of the eighth pick. It's not just the first round. It, I, I find when I'm mocking with the eighth spot, it can get a little annoying in the middle rounds as well. I've, I felt that if I had the sixth <laughs> or fifth pick a little bit, my team would have came out a, a little stronger. But then I felt I got kind of lucky in rounds five, six, and seven as well with Markin and Levine 
And then Jayward's not as much, but Mark and, and Levine for sure. So it, at the end, it, it kind of evened out. I went for the percentages. I thought I did a good job in both uh, points and threes, which I isn't necessarily my drafting style. I prefer percentages and D stats are kind of my focus. Yeah. Which is how it worked out with Kyrie and PG. I kind of had to go down that pathway. This is why so, I think this is probably why you ended up in a weird spot a couple of times because percentages and defensive stats are my targets, and I was two picks in front of you in this thing. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, you got me a couple of times, but I because of your reputation, I could kind of you knew see where, it you knew where I was going. Gave me some time to prepare for it. Yeah, average age of my team. You can always you can always know old man Bespris. The average age is going to be top three in the league. That that's my go to move. Your uh, reputation precedes you. I sure. know it's really it's kind of interesting that I've now become the old curmudgeon. But I guess it's better to have a reputation than none, right? <laughs> yeah, I could I couldn't tell you how any of these other guys draft. So, but yours, I I can nail a few picks. <laughs> yeah, you knew I wasn't going to take a rookie. You knew I wasn't going to take anybody that has hype around their name um i'm not i mean i'll admit i wasn't thrilled with sort of the end of my draft i i stuck with the safe uh old man and i think what i learned certainly from my own team was at about round seven you gotta start swinging for the fences a little bit you just you can't play it safe from that point on you can try to fill in some roster spots and i feel like i did that like, my ninth rounder was J.J. Redick. I felt like that filled some needs on my team in a, in a safe and efficient way. But, like, why am I taking Paul Millsap and DeAndre Jordan in the 10th and 11th rounds? What what the hell was I doing at that point? Neither one of those guys is going to play enough to be, like, any any measure of upside. And guys like that are going to be floating on the waiver wire all season long. That's just not... Anyway, whatever. I don't need to pick pick apart my own team here. I just think that that was something that really crystallized in this draft was I was going to try specifically to stick to the sort of old safe play all the way through and see how it went. And what I learned is that again, after about pick 90, that's a silly way to draft. Um, yeah. Looking at your team, I think blocks is the one that jumped out at me as well. Uh, but like you said, you know, you Kyrie, Paul George, Siakam, Adebayo, Levine, all of those guys are going to get you decent assists. So you're probably still going to be middle of the pack, even without a true, like, big assist point guard on your team. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that's usually my strategy around. I, I just find it hard to get enough assists when I'm picking at the end of the first because you either have to overpay because you, 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 you don't have back-to-back picks, but it's close to back-to-back picks. And then people usually reach for point guards, so by the time it's your turn in 3-4, and then five, six again, they're usually gone. And you're at the end of the point guard run. And I try to avoid grabbing the end of the run kind of guy. Yeah, you would have put yourself in a tough spot. And here's an interesting note, by the way, before we let Adam go. Uh, you had Siakam in the third. Between your third and fourth round pick, De'Aaron Fox, D'Angelo Russell, Ben Simmons, Chris Paul, and Mike Conley all went off the board. And that is in the span of eight picks in there. Five of the yeah. eight were, high, were like the last high assist guys on the board. So if you were hoping any of them would get back to you in the fourth, uh, the four teams in between you and yourself kind of screwed you there. Yeah, and I think that's pretty common for drafts. That the, There's a point guard run every year in 3-4. doesn't matter what the preset rankings are. People's brains are just wired to think point guard runs 3-4. and four. Hmm. Adam, thanks, my man. Appreciate you coming on the show. I hope I didn't ruin podcasting for you. Oh, that was <laughs> awesome. I appreciate it, Dan. At Adam G. Stock on Twitter. Check him out immediately. Elite Fantasy Basketball is the website. Adam, one more big one from the heart. Thank you, my man. Thanks, Dan. That was Adam Stock of Elite Fantasy Basketball. Big thank you to him and big thank you to all 11 of the guests that we had on this show over these last uh, dozen shows because I did break down my own team at the start of it for not only doing the mock draft but then taking the time to talk to us about it here on the podcast. Wonderful effort and just... Uh, all of them going above and beyond not only to participate, but then being willing to break down their teams. Wanted to give everybody a reminder once again, the B-150 in the draft guide. You can get $3 off with coupon code STOCK, S-T-O-C-K. Use it now. Go get the draft guide. Pause what you're doing and go get it immediately. You will be grateful that you did because the B-150 is going to allow you to trounce your fantasy competition. So go to hoop-ball.com, do that. And again, a reminder, follow me on social media at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B as in boy, E-S as in Sam, B as in boy, R-I-S as in Sam, Dan Bespris. 
tweet at me. Let me know if you're interested in any of the stuff we've been talking about in the show. Happy to answer questions outside the context of the pod. Happy to answer questions about the draft guide if you have them. And if you're interested in getting involved with us here at HoopBall, we are still recruiting and will be, presumably, for as long as there are good people out there that want to work in fantasy sports or otherwise. If you want to cover a team, hit me up. If you want a podcast, hit me up. If you want to contribute, hit me up. We got a lot of things you can be doing over here. Just bug me. That's all you got to do, and I'll give you the skinny over on Twitter. Again, that is at Dan Vespris. Thanks for listening, everybody. This is your Tuesday edition of Fantasy NBA Today. Again, rate and review the pod if you have a moment, particularly on iTunes. I would be forever grateful in that regard as well. All of those links are available on Twitter through uh, my account or at Hoopball Fantasy, the Hoopball main fantasy blurb feed. Uh, thanks to Neil. Thanks to Adam for popping on the show again tomorrow. We'll start a new segment here leading up towards uh, NBA opening night as the industry mock segment of our proceedings comes to a close. We will be talking to Brandon Marcus on tomorrow's show. We also have some words from Mike Katrin. As I've mentioned, we got Hank Aaron coming up later in the week. It's going to be a good one. I'm Dan Vespers. Have a great Tuesday. We'll talk to you tomorrow. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.